0: It's Friday, September 23rd. I'm Pam Jones. A judge has ruled that Maryland officials can start counting mail-in ballots ahead of Election Day. A Baltimore County employee has been busted for using the county's computer system to run a private business. A town hall meeting to discuss a private police force for Johns Hopkins University was brought to an abrupt end by protesters last night. I'll have more headlines. Plus, the Republican running for Baltimore County executive is promising a revolutionary change in government if he's elected. It's the Daily Dose from WIPR, our latest reporting on Maryland's COVID-19 response and the local news of the day made possible by GBMC Healthcare. Maryland officials can start counting mail-in ballots for the November general election as early as October after a Montgomery County Circuit Court judge's ruling this afternoon. The ruling is a result of a petition by the State Board of Elections which says it needs more time to count the ballots. About a half million voters are expected to vote by mail. Republican gubernatorial nominee Dan Cox won't say whether he will accept the results of the election if mail-in ballots are processed early. Maryland's GOP candidate for governor is trekking to Mar-a-Lago in Florida for a fundraising event with former President Trump. According to the Baltimore Banner, the event with Dan Cox and Trump will be held on October 16th. Tickets for the private reception reportedly are $1,776, and a photo with the former president can be arranged for $25,000. An investigation by Baltimore County's inspector general finds that an employee used the county's computer system to help run a private business. The report, which was released this afternoon, recommends that county officials do a better job of explaining to employees that they cannot misuse county resources. A town hall meeting to discuss the new Johns Hopkins University Police Department Thursday night was shut down rather abruptly by protesters. According to the Baltimore Banner, student protesters disrupted the meeting to discuss the university's proposal to create a private campus force. The move, which has been highly contentious, was put on hold for two years. An opposition group says they won't back down until the university cancels the plan. The Republican running for Baltimore County Executive is promising a revolutionary change in government if he's elected. Former Delegate Pat McDonough's to-do list includes firing the police chief, severing ties with Baltimore City, and gaining control over the school system. WIPR's John Lee with that story.
1: Pat McDonough says Baltimore County is on the road to disaster with Democratic incumbent Johnny Oshesky at the wheel.
2: If I do not win this election, this county is going to be in serious trouble and irrecoverable. We'll never change. We will go down a road and a pathway that is unstoppable.
1: McDonough laid out his plans to a gathering of about a dozen people at the Perry Hall Public Library. McDonough says he'll fire Police Chief Melissa Hyatt, blaming her for a high crime rate. McDonough says he'll beef up the police force and crack down on lawbreakers.
2: There will be no squeegee boys in Baltimore County. If you riot in one of our malls, there will be consequences.
1: Earlier this year, six teenagers were arrested for fighting at Towson Town Center. McDonough says he'll control the school system by threatening to withhold funding.
2: County Executive McDonough is going to be the new superintendent, all right? You've got to come to me for your budget. If I don't want CRT in the school system, we're going to pass a local ordinance that says no CRT.
1: CRT stands for Critical Race Theory, which focuses on the effect of racism on U.S. laws. It's not taught in any Maryland public schools. McDonough also says he'll ditch Oshesky's executive order that bars the county police from asking anyone's immigration status. When it comes to Baltimore City, McDonough sees it as a competitor, not a regional partner. Oshesky counters that a strong Baltimore City helps the county, Oshevsky says McDonough has far-right extreme views and is out of touch with county voters.
3: Yeah, This is an opponent who has called the Inner Harbor a no-travel zone that's been terrorized by black youth mobs. This is someone who has tried very hard to be very closely tied to um, former president's uh, agenda about building walls as opposed to tearing them down. We're, we're about making progress and, and building bridges.
1: Oshevsky says McDonough is wrong about crime that the county is safe. He challenges McDonough's talk about the county executive gaining control of the school system, saying it's inconsistent with state law. McDonough, who is 79, served two decades in the General Assembly. He calls it the General Asylum. He lags far behind Oshavsky in fundraising, which means he'll struggle to get name recognition outside his East County home base. McDonough blames fellow Republicans who want no part of his campaign for that.
2: The Republican so-called leaders are selfish idiots. They're establishment idiots.
1: Anne Arundel County Republican Delegate Nick Kipke, the former House Minority Leader, says if elected, McDonough will be a populist county executive despite his reputation as a firebrand. Kipke cites McDonough's vote to expand Medicaid to people in poverty while in the legislature.
2: That wasn't uh, a party-line Republican. it was certainly uh, always putting the people first.
1: Back at the library, Jerome Rifkin, who lives in Perry Hall, liked what he heard from McDonough and plans to vote for him. Rifkin says he was a registered Democrat until about six years ago.
2: I guess I became a physical conservative first, if there is such a thing. And my motto was, don't put your hand in my pocket.
1: McDonough criticizes Oshevsky for raising the county's income tax rate in 2019. Oshevsky did it to plug an $81 million budget shortfall he inherited from his predecessor. McDonough says the November election will be a referendum on Oshevsky, who he believes is unpopular. Time will tell how county voters, who are registered Democrats by a margin of more than two to one, take to McDonough's message. John Lee, WIPR News.
0: Maryland senators visited Baltimore's troubled Back River wastewater treatment plant. Our reporter Joel McCord trekked along. I'll have that report coming up, but first, a few more headlines. The Baltimore City Police Department is identifying the man found dead in the trunk of a burning car. Investigators believe 39-year-old Stephen Gillis was abducted from a parking garage in Hanover Wednesday night, two hours before his body was found in Lincoln Park. They say he was shot at least once. The victim was believed to have been targeted. An investigation is ongoing. Starting today, there are new rules in place for Baltimore County school sporting events. There will be additional staff at all games, and elementary and middle school students must be accompanied by an adult. In addition, anyone leaving an event before the end will not be readmitted. The new rules follow the fatal shooting of a Milford Mill Academy student after a football game earlier this month. It's Hispanic Heritage Month, and Highland Town is hosting one of the local celebrations. On Saturday, the street outside the Creative Alliance Center on Eastern Avenue will be closed to traffic for the Artisan Market and Festival. This year's event, from 3 to 7 p.m., is expected to attract hundreds and will feature live music, dancing, and food. A state senate committee saw firsthand this week that Baltimore's troubled Back River Wastewater Treatment Plant has made significant improvements. But as WIPR's Joel McCord reports, it isn't out of the woods yet.
3: That's Michael Hallman, head of the Baltimore Public Works Department's Wastewater Facilities Division, explaining the operation of the Back River plant to the Senate's Budget and Taxation Committee, members of the Chesapeake Bay Commission, and Baltimore County representatives. The state took over operation of the plant, which serves Baltimore City and County last March after it failed repeatedly to meet pollution standards. Committee chair, Senator Guy Gazzoni, says the state has spent nearly $1 billion in upgrades to this plant and the Patapsco wastewater treatment plant over the years, and his committee wants to make sure the money is well spent. Regardless of the number, uh, the state is obviously very interested in this. We've made a major commitment and um, the impact on public health and the Bay uh, is substantial. He says the significance of the problem, shoddy maintenance and clogged equipment that caused pollution flowing into the river, was shocking. And he acknowledged things have gotten better since then. I will applaud uh, those involved coming in uh, uh, from various uh, departments of government uh, to make uh, improvements, and those improvements are happening. However, we've got a long way to go. Lee Curry, Director of Science Services for the Maryland Department of the Environment, says the upgrades to the plant in late 2019 and early 2020 installed the best technology available to remove the nutrients that are harmful to Chesapeake waters.
1: The Back River Wastewater Treatment Plant was really operating at at very efficient levels. It was um, showcased in terms of our bay restoration.
3: But things went downhill fast and MDE stepped in.
1: And we've been bring, been able to bring the plant back uh, as a partnership. Uh, so it's operating at those efficient levels again.
3: There's still a lot of work to be done in terms of maintenance and organization. Hallman, the division chief, said many of the problems with the plant were tied to a loss of personnel and a lack of maintenance, some of which stemmed from the loss of personnel. You know, in COVID, we had a number
0: of mass retirements through there. Um, We already had an aging workforce to begin with, Um, so that was accelerated through COVID, and um, some of those folks that did hang on are now nearing their 35 to 40
3: year mark. Um, and so they're ready to move on and retire as well. Now the department is focused on bringing in new workers through a three-year apprenticeship program, which he says will help
0: in the long run. Uh, we have some other contingency plans for the for the near term with the use of outside consultants and operations folks um, and maintenance folks uh, in that end, but it's really about rebuilding Um, our
3: staff. Hallman says the plant had been operated on a run-to-fail theory of maintenance. Run a piece of equipment until it fails, then bring in a backup. Run that hard and hope it lasts until the original equipment is repaired. That's been changed. So That way we're focused more on the preventive and uh, catching issues before they become
0: much greater um, problems uh, and, and being able to have support in place to act on them in a more timely fashion.
3: Now, clear water tumbles down sluices a few yards from the back river shore and into a pipe that sends it into the river. Senator Sarah Elfrith, a member of the Budget and Tax Committee and the Chesapeake Bay Commission, acknowledged the advances at the plant, but worried. The next question is how do we prevent the next break, Um, and and what kind of systems are we going to have in place, both from a a capital side, uh, but more importantly, a staffing and maintenance side. She called it kind of a moving target. I'm Joel McCord, WYPR News.
0: We covered the news of the day here on The Daily Dose, but it's also a platform for listeners like you. Got a thought or a story you want to share about life in the era of coronavirus? Leave us a voicemail to play on an upcoming episode. The number 410-235-6060. We've also got a button on the WYPR app so you can record a voice memo that way too. Just tap Daily Dose Comments on the app or give us a call. The number again, 410 410- two three five six zero six zero the Daily Dose is brought to you by WIPR, made possible by GBMC Healthcare. Many thanks to my news team colleagues, Rachel Bay, Shekinah Collier, John Lee, Scott Massioni, Joe McCord, Kristen Mossbrucker, and Bethany Raja. The executive editor of The Daily Dose is Danielle Irby. If you have a scoop or suggestion for this podcast, my social media hangout is Twitter at That's Pam Jones. Remember to be courageous and stay curious. I'm Pam Jones. Thanks for listening.